the Lord, bless the Lord. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I want to get right into the word this morning. Amen. Well, Brother DeMuth to come. Amen. And bless the discipleship offering this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's so good to have everybody, everybody in the house of God. And I believe that the Lord feels that way more strongly than I do. Amen. Amen. I believe he's excited about every individual that comes into his presence. Amen. Amen. We need him. Amen. The Bible says that he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Amen. And uh, that was, I believe that was written in the book of Isaiah. And so he already knew that we were going to suffer some griefs and some sorrows in our life. Amen. And he went ahead. And he bore those griefs, and he's, he's carrying those sorrows. He's carrying us through those times. Amen. And so we need him. I'm so thankful that one day that the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ came into this man's heart, into my inner man, that, that there was a way, that there was a, a, a little crack in the door that he could get in there and begin to work on me. And I'm thankful I was sharing with Brother Richard this morning. I was thankful that there came a day where I said, I can't wait any longer. You know, I'd, I'd been baptized in, in a church in, in the States, and I was overseas, and I was hearing this gospel and hearing this message, and I, I was wrestling with it. I, I kept telling myself, uh, but I've been baptized already. Isn't that good enough? And I even wrote letters because we didn't have email then, and I wrote letters back to that church, and they wouldn't respond to me. Because I wanted to know, how was I baptized? And so after a little while, and, and they didn't write back, and I kept hearing this message being preached every Sunday, every Wednesday, it just started getting into my spirit. And I thought, well, I've got to do this. I've got to know. Anybody ever felt that way? i got to know, one way or the other. It's like, i got to know that it's not going to thunderstorm in Chicago in the next two hours. <laughs> Because my wife needs to get on that plane, in Jesus' name. <laughs> but there came a day where I said, okay, I've got to do this. Amen. Whether it's right or wrong, whether I believe, whether I really believe it or not, I need to know that this way of baptism is different than the other way. And the only way I was going to know that was to just go do it. Amen. And that was the best thing I ever did in my life. One of the best things. Amen. And I came out of that water. That's right. <laughs> came out of that water in Jesus' name, and immediately I was telling Brother Rich, I knew, I knew something was different. I knew something had changed in me. There was definitely something about this baptism in Jesus' name. And it's never been the same since. It's never that whatever it was like before that has not been the same since it's just been just been wonderful amen and so i don't know how you feel about all that this morning but that was one of the best things i ever did in my life was to step into that unknown place and and trust god that he knew what he was doing that he had put me there that he had put that man in my life to preach this gospel to me and he ordained all that he set all that up made me go through boot camp and everything to get there so I could hear this message. He prepared my heart and my mind to receive it. 
Amen. And that's what I want him to do today and always when I come into this house, even if it's me sitting back there and it's that man back there preaching. I always come in here with the expectation that he's got something for me. Amen. He's got a word for me. Amen. We have preachers that preach conferences and they preach to thousands and God ministers to one soul in that place. And if that's all, if that's what God meant for that man to do was to be there for that one soul, he'll do that. He'll go out of his way to leave the 90 and 9 and go after the one. Amen. I was one. I was one of those ones that wandered and, you know, wandering sheep. Amen. And he went and found me and brought me back. Praise God. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I'm so thankful for his goodness and grace and mercy. Let's get right into the word of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Talking about Lord... Teach us to pray today. And you might ask yourself already, well, why do I need to learn how to pray? Well, we're going to get into that. Amen. Because we never stop learning, do we? Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 13, it says, And when when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, and they... That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. Doesn't mean you don't ask. You still have to ask, but he already knows. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father. First thing you got to do is acknowledge him as, as your Father. He's our Father. Amen. Amen. Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as in as it is in heaven, on earth, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then Luke chapter 1, or excuse me, Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, you know, Jesus was always, seemed like he was always praying. Every chance he got, he got away from the crowds and the people. He got away to pray. Amen. And so when he, when he had seized one of his disciples, they were standing there waiting for him to finish praying. Because they had a question said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. Next verse. Okay. And he said unto them, when ye pray. He didn't say, if ye pray. He said, when ye pray. Say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day. Give us day by day. See, your mind wants to go back to that other one you read. (laughs) 
Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And so we're going to talk about in the next five weeks, we're going to talk about, we're going to, what I'm going to do is, is, I guess if you want to put it this way, kind of break this down to what it's really saying. Because I don't know about you, but growing up, I repeated Matthew 6 all my life growing up, repeated over and over and over like it was a prayer to, to just say, to just repeat. And, and I, God bless my, I thank God for my upbringing. But I have, you know, I found out that this is not a prayer to be repeated over and over and over again. Amen? And so, uh, we're gonna get into this and today is gonna be pretty much kind of a foundation building. You know, Brother Terry is a builder and Brother Richard, you know, when you build a house or you, when you build a building, you gotta put the foundation in first and sometimes the foundation takes three times as long as just putting the building up on top of the foundation. It takes forever to get that foundation in, but once the foundation's done, the, the house just goes up. But if your foundation's not right, the house ain't gonna stand. Amen. And so I'm, what I'm gonna try to do is build a foundation and so just bear with me as we go through this. And, and, and uh, I believe the Lord's using this to minister to each one of us. Every one of us has our own prayer life. Every one of us has our own uh, way that we pray, our own personality, how we talk to God. And so God is wanting to enhance that. Amen. Like I said at the beginning, we never stop learning. Amen. And so I wanted to go real quick into uh, one version of Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke 11 and verse 1 in the Bible in basic English says, And it came about that he was in prayer in, in a certain place. And when he came to an end, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, will you give us teaching about prayer as John did to his disciples? And so you think they're his disciples, right? They should know how to pray. You, you would think that by now... After three and a half years, they would know how to pray. But they're asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that needs to be our question. Lord, I don't know if I'm doing this right, whether it's prayer or anything. But Lord, you, through your word and through the preaching and teaching of your word, and you can minister to me and you can show me, you can give me insight, you can give me impartation about how I need to do this. And, and maybe there's some things I'm not doing right, Lord, and just bring it to me. Amen? Because God will speak to that man of God back there, and he'll come up here on this, this pulpit, and he'll preach something, and it will minister to right where you are if you're really seeking the Lord for an answer about something in your life. Amen? It's just amazing sometimes how the Lord will do that. Amen? But he will speak to the man of God to minister right to the thing that you're seeking the Lord for. And so the question is, how important is praying and prayer to a Christian and to an apostolic? How important is it? Seems to me like there's a lot of emphasis in the New Testament on prayer. Amen? In Acts chapter 1, verse 12, if we could put that up, please. I'm going to go through 14. And then we're going to go kind of talk about the, where the church started and, 
and how where we all kind of got our start on the you know the apostolic church that we know today it says then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is from Jerusalem a sabbath day's journey and when they had come in they they went up to an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James these all continued with one accord in prayer and with uh in supplication with with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren and so they were they were commanded they were told by Jesus before he was lifted up in, into the heavens to go in Jerusalem were they not and and to tarry in Jerusalem to go and pray until they were endued with power from on high. And if we go to Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 4, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it fell, filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues that like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And, you know, we read that. It said, and suddenly there came a sound. But you have to understand that they were told to go pray and stay and tarry in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Well, where did what was the promise of the Father? The, the outpouring of the Spirit of God, right? And it was prophesied in Joel, and it was talked about. And it goes all the way back to Abraham, where God began to make a promise and an oath that he was going to bless the people. Amen? And so these people, these Jews, had been talking about this promise of the Father all of their lives and telling their grandchildren and their children and, and just passing it on and passing it on. They talked about it for centuries. And it... They talked about it in terms of someday, someday there's going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit. They didn't know what it was. They had no idea what it was going to feel like, look like, smell like, or anything. But they were, they had a promise. And they, they continually said someday that promise is going to come. Well, someday came, didn't it? The day of Pentecost, someday came, became today. Amen. And how did that how did the promise of the Father come about? Through prayer. The, the Bible says that they tarried in that room. I think it was ten days. We, we don't really know for sure. But we do know that they were in one, with one accord in one place. Praying. Interceding. Seeking the Lord. Because they, like I said, they didn't know what it was. But it came through prayer. That's the point. It came through prayer. And so they were following the last instructions that Jesus gave them, and they tarried. And, and the birth of the New Testament church was contingent on their united corporate prayer. Prayer was important to birthing the church. Amen? So I'm building a foundation here. So prayer is to be a lifestyle. It's to be something we do for life, like breathing. Amen? We don't just randomly decide to breathe every now and then. Do we? 
and hold our breath the rest of the time. We wouldn't last very long if we did that. So prayer has got to be something that we do that, that is not just a thing we do to, because it's my duty and I'm going to pray and so I've got this amount of time blocked out and so that's my prayer time and then the rest of the day is mine. No. No. That's not what, the, that's not how I pray. I, you know, I, if I did that, if I had that kind of relationship with my wife, we wouldn't be together. If I just talked to her whenever I felt like it, like I heard one guy say, he told his wife, he said, I told her I loved her when we married her, and I told her if I changed my mind, I'd let her know. <laughs> that wouldn't last very long, would it? <laughs> you got it? Every, a relationship, a marriage relationship like that requires time and effort and giving yourself to each other, right? You develop a relationship over years and years and years. That's the same way with our father. You know, if you if you if you fathered children and you never did anything to raise them, you just stuck them in a room and said, "Here, raise yourself." There's no relationship there with the father and the children. But that father and that mother nurture those children. They spend time with them. They love them, and they they train them up. And so, our relationship with our father has to be that way. And how do we have a relationship with him? Through prayer. Amen. And it's just not like praying just some canned prayers and, and putting some these and thous in there. It's a relationship. Amen. And in a relationship, we talk to the Lord, right? And we don't just pull out our little grocery list and that goes from here to the floor and go, Okay, God, here we go. I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this. In Jesus' name, and then we end our prayer. We walk away. If we pray like that, I don't believe he hears us. Because it's a relationship thing. And so when we come to God in prayer, it's all about letting him have something to say too. Amen. And that's one of the hardest things for us, is to be quiet and let God speak. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10 says, And I say unto thee, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. In the Amplified Bible, it says that we should ask and keep on asking. That we should seek and keep on seeking. That we should knock and keep on knocking. Amen. Brother Parker said the other night, pray until something happens. Don't give up. Don't quit. Amen. I, the, the man of God that raised me up in this truth at one point in time in his life was not a man of God. He was not even in church. Matter of fact, he was working in a bar. And just like today, I, if, if you know somebody that goes to the bar, you could go in there today or this weekend and you could try physically dragging them out of that bar and they would kick and scream and they would not want to come, would they? They would fight you tooth and nail. But somebody was praying for that man of God before he was ever a man of God. Somebody, a church, probably a wife, was praying for that man. And they were probably praying some kind of prayer like, God... Let him see those people as rats. 
that are in that bar so that, or let them see what hell looks like or something. They were probably praying a pretty desperate, serious prayer. Get my husband out of that place. Get my son, get my whatever. Out of, get our brother out of that place. And you know what happened? One day that man went, walked out of that bar on a break, had a smoke break outside, went to open the door to go back in, and guess what he saw? Everybody in there looked like a rat. And he shut the door real quick. He went, shook himself, opened that door back up, and everybody looked like people again. And he was like, man, what was that? <laughs> God was answering somebody's prayer. Somebody had to be praying. Somebody had to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. They didn't just pray one prayer and nothing happened. They said, well, that doesn't work. Right? They kept on pressing, kept pushing, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm interceding. I'm travailing for that soul. He doesn't even know he's lost. Amen. And I'm thankful that that happened in that man's life because he was there standing behind that pulpit when I got to this truth to preach to me and to lead me in the way that I ought to go. So our prayer works, but it's we got to be persistent. Anybody ever had a child that wasn't persistent about getting an answer from you? And then you tell them no, and, they, and then they want to know what? Why? Why? Why, Papa? No. Why? Because I said so. Why? I mean, they'll drive you nuts with that. Right? Are we like that to God sometimes? But God, I want this to be your will, but it's not my will. Why? Amen? Anybody ever been guilty of that? Amen. We want to manipulate God's will. Amen. Acts 2 and 42 says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Amen. So the church that was born in prayer continued to pray. Amen. Acts 6 and 4 says, but... We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So prayer was first and foremost, and then the ministry of the word. Why is that? Because they had to hear from God. How did every one of those prophets speak to the people of of Israel throughout the Old Testament? They had to hear from God first and then speak what God told them to say in faith, believing that that was God speaking to them. And then wait for God to fulfill what he said. Like Jeremiah, he told them, and, and all those prophets, they told Israel and told Israel, you're going to go into bondage, you got to turn. And they would just, you know, poo-poo it and say, well, that's fine, and well, thank you. You know, just, and he, what did God tell Jeremiah? Don't let what their faces, don't let their faces stop you from saying what I'm telling you to say. Because I will fulfill what I told you to say. Amen. And so the church and the ministry at that time, they understood the, the, the importance of prayer. So this fledgling and growing group of believers knew that there were main emphasis had to be on prayer first and then ministry of the word. One commentator has stated that the pinnacle of prayer is praying not for ourselves or for our own personal needs, but participating with the Father in the work of his kingdom. We're participating with him in prayer. That's what they were saying. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how, how should we pray? What should we say? 
What should we ask for? Because, you know, there's one place in the Bible, and I believe it's in James, where it says we, we pray, but we ask amiss, we, that we might consume it upon our lusts. So we got to be careful. Amen. It's like I said earlier, it's not just some canned prayer that, you know, like I used to when I was growing up, just quote the Our Father, we called it. Amen. That wasn't getting me anywhere. I was just learning a scripture. <laughs> it was the only scripture I knew as a child. <laughs> but it was a scripture out of the Bible. I didn't know that. I was just doing what I was taught. Sometimes we're just taught things. We don't ask, well, what, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, and so we never stop learning. And so the disciples needed the Lord to teach them how to pray. And he really needed to teach them how to pray because he was leaving everything in their hands. So wanted to just kind of briefly take a little stop over here and, and ask the question, what is a disciple? The complete word study dictionary says that it that it means more than in the New Testament than just simply a mere pupil or learner. It actually means it's an, an, an adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. It's an adherent who accepts the instruction given him. First, he has to accept the instruction given him. And then he makes it his rule of conduct. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights. You've got to make this your rule of conduct. You, an adherent is like, like all these, these guys that follow uh, Buddha, uh, Buddha or, or Islam, that follow Muhammad. They are adherents. They, some cases, blindly follow what Muhammad said without really checking out. You know, and, and so if you get it in your mind, that's what an adherent. So if, we're in, if we are a disciple, if we are at an, an adherent, well, it's hard to say. <laughs> For me, anyway. If we are an adherent of Jesus Christ, if we really truly believe ourselves to be his disciples, and we are, we've got to be given to the idea that whatever he says is going to rule our life. And we've got to understand that we need him to teach us how to do some things. Prayer is the one, the main one. So we are his disciples. So the question is, why did his disciples need Jesus to teach them to pray? Like I said earlier, after all, they were his disciples, but they still needed to be taught. And it's been stated, uh, one individual stated that we know, even though we may no longer be in a physical school or classroom, the learning never stops. Learning never stops. Learning never stops. So we need to pray every day that the Lord, this is what I, this is what I pray for myself and and you can do what you want, but I know me. And I know that I need the Lord's help in my life because I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to wake up every day. I want to, but some days I'm just going to wake up like today. Why is the Lord not letting my wife come home? <laughs> but we need to ask the Lord to give us a teachable spirit. Amen. We need to ask him to give us a teachable spirit, because if you don't have a teachable spirit, you'll just shut the Lord off. You'll just shut off anything that comes off from this pulpit or anywhere else. And you'll get this attitude and mindset of, I got this. I know what I'm doing. But we need to ask the Lord.
to give us a teachable spirit that we can receive instruction. When do you when do we need to stop receiving instruction? When we reach a certain age? When we've been in church a certain number of years? No. Not until Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. We need to constantly be willing for the Lord to bring fresh bread, fresh importation into our life. And where does that come from? Most cases in prayer, our personal prayer time. Lord, let me be teachable when it's coming from this pulpit. But Lord, let me be teachable when it's you talking to me in prayer. Because he knows how to talk to each one of us individually. All at the same time, personally. About our own particular things. Amen? Trying to hurry up here. So getting back to prayer. Romans 8, 26 and 27. If we could put that up, please. I'm not going to make it, I don't think. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what are our infirmities. After the colon, it's going to explain what the infirmities are. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought to. Right? Sometimes You don't know how to pray for what, what to pray for as you ought to. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts, that's, who is that he there? Jesus Christ. Knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so what that means is, is that, that he will give you things to pray for that you don't haven't even thought about yet. Amen. When I get up in the morning and I have my time with the Lord, I get up and I start praying and, and I've got, you know, sons and grandchildren and daughters and, and all these things that are on my mind and friends and people and, you know, people that I want to see living for God, backsliders and all people I know and family members. And I've got all this stuff I pray for. But then, you know, you kind of run out of stuff after a little while. And then I get to the place where I say, okay, God, what do I need to pray for? I don't just get up and say, well, my list is done. Amen. Because there's some things he wants me to pray for. Amen. There's, there was a family in Okinawa, Japan that was going to commit suicide and the Lord laid it on me to pray for them without even telling me their name. And that next Sunday, they showed up in church, both of them filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, and the husband pulled his wallet out and pulled a razor blade out of it and said, we were going to commit suicide last night. And I just sat there and started weeping. I thought, my God. That's who I was praying. The Lord told me that's who I was praying for. And just, just being obedient. I was just trying to teach the young people how to have a prayer meeting. We were having a fasting and prayer for a day, and, and I was just under a chair praying, and the Lord just laid that on my heart. Amen. <laughs> how humbling is that? But we've got to be sensitive to the Lord. But for him to be able to do that, you don't know what you're praying sometimes when the Lord has given you something to pray for. And it, it talked right there in that scripture said with groanings that cannot be uttered. It's going to go beyond your natural words that you can say. It's what we have the Holy Ghost for. And that's, that groaning is a sighing as of the oppressed referring to prayers to God expressed inarticulately. Meaning you can't put words to it. 
But you're just, you're carrying the burden for the Lord. You're groaning in prayer for that individual, for that city, for that country, or whatever it is. These are the prayers that cannot be expressed in human words or language, but, but the Lord helps us to pray through His Spirit in that, uh, that He has placed inside of us. So it is because that we have this infirmity, this inability to, to know what to pray for. Amen. And I, I look forward to those times in my prayer life because I know that some things are really happening in the Spirit. I want the Lord to, to show me what to pray about. Even James, speaking to the church, to the Jewish Christians, alluded to the fact that we don't know what to pray for as we ought to. Amen? Matthew Henry's commentary of the, the Bible in Luke chapter 11, verse, uh, it's talking about Luke 11, 1 through 4. It says, he said, Lord, teach me what it is to pray. Lord, stir up and quicken to me the, to the duty. Lord, direct me to pray for what to pray for. Excuse me. Teach me what I should say. Amen. He's our father. He's, he's not going to say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Figure it out on your own. He's not going to do that. Amen. We're his disciples. He wants us to be his prayer warriors. He wants us to be sensitive to his spirit. Amen. 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 He is a God of patterns and principles. Is that right, Brother Parker? He is a God of patterns and principles. Everything in his book is about patterns and principles. Amen? And so we can start from the from Noah's Ark, and we can go to the tabernacle plan in the wilderness in the Old Testament. That was the Old Testament way of salvation. And we can come forward to the New Testament plan of salvation. All of it was based on a pattern. Even the New Testament salvation is based on the pattern of the old. So really he was giving us the pattern for the New Testament salvation in the Old Testament. He just didn't reveal that until later. When I saw that, when I saw the tabernacle plan of salvation and how it exactly compared to repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name and filling of the Holy Ghost, it blew my mind. The patterns and the things that God has already set up. It didn't just happen by mistake. Oh, look, those two things match. Wow, that's pretty amazing. How did he do that? Like, it, like he just thought it up. Oh, wait, I'll, I'll make these two match. No, he didn't do it that way. He already had that plan and pattern way ahead of time before he ever created Adam and Eve. He already knew what he was going to do. Every word that Jesus spoke, especially to his disciples, was not his own words, but the words of his Father. And and so were these words that he was speaking to his disciples. He was saying to them what his Father was telling him to say. And if you read the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, you'll find Jesus saying throughout there, I, the words that I say are not my words. They're the words of my Father. He was telling the Pharisees that. He was telling his disciples that. He told everybody that. I, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. But they're not my words. They're my Father's. I say what he's saying. Amen. God still does that today. It's called preaching and teaching of the Word of God. He still speaks to a man, and the man speaks what God told him to say. Amen. So God's a God, he's a God of patterns and principles. He's still doing it that way. John 12, 47 through 50. I'm trying to hurry up. I've got a couple minutes here. I am not going to make it.
And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. And he that rejecteth me receiveth not my words, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Wow, we're going to be judged by the word of God. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment. What should I say and what what I should say and what I should speak? And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whosoever I, I speak, whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father has said unto me, so I speak. So the Lord is speaking to us. He's speaking to his disciples. He's telling his disciples. They asked him. Don't, don't ask God for something, and then when he comes and brings you the answer, turn it away. And they had no idea. These disciples had no idea what they were asking, but, they, but God did, and he was preparing them. He was giving them yet another pattern, another principle. He was preparing them to be the leaders of the new church that was going to be born on the day of Pentecost. Amen? And he's doing that today as he has made us disciples, as he has brought us in to be adherents of his word and of his, his principles and precepts and promises, he is preparing us, he is equipping us. And the equipping and the learning and these things never stop. We're going to have to stop here, and I didn't get as far as I wanted to, but the Lord knew where I needed to stop and what I needed to say and what you needed to hear today. And so we're going to take our break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to hear some mighty preaching from our pastor. And God's going to do some great things in the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name.